might want to sit down for this. This is the new Star Spangled Banner. Let's go. Take two. Take three. Is that better? Can you hear me now? Is it clear? Is it coming through? It's coming. I got gotcha. I can hear you. Can you hear the air raid siren? Alert. Alert. No, that's just a joke. All right, we're live. Uh, as you can tell how this uh, has a completely shitty intro, that's because it's the first time we've tried an episode like this. Um, what I figured... So so today, um, our good friend Pizza Strike, his episode... <clears throat> Excuse me, I swallowed my coffee the wrong way. His episode was supposed to air today, but in in lieu, is that the right word? In light of recent events, uh, we decided to do a live call-in show. So I, I put out some feelers and a bunch of you decided to participate, and that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, tonight, or it's today, or, you know, whenever this thing goes out, uh, we have Jeremy on the second mic. If you guys don't know Jeremy Walton, he's the insane Marine and goes by a bunch of a few other monikers and has been on the show a lot and is going to help out in producing this podcast. Say hi, Jeremy. Hi, Jeremy. Dude, we've got some... So, I don't... Let, let me start off with this. Actually, do I, I'm going to start off with, um, with a message from Nate McDonald, our COO of Irreverent Warriors, okay? Let's go. So, uh, I think it's a great idea to encourage people to reach out on social media or phone with each other. I'm a terrible reader, by the way, so uh, it's, a, it's a learning disability, so deal with it. Uh, stay in the fight mantra, or I'm sorry, that stay in the fight mantra we have talked about all year. Regardless of circumstances, stay connected. The Irreverent Warriors Network isn't just about hikes or events. It's about family, brothers, and sisters that will stand with each other have each other's backs, and look out for each other. That genuine investment, care, concern, all wrapped up into one of our key terms, camaraderie, is what will change the veteran outlook and keep the brother and sister from pulling the trigger or self-destructing. Make that call. And that's the, the point right there. Make that call. Send that message. So I hope I did that justice, Nate. But that's that's kind of where, where we are with this whole thing right now. Um, we that call. Yep. We don't know what kind of isolation we're facing. I know a lot of po folks are, are, you know, concerned about the hype that this might be, uh, you know, the, the, the media has overhyped this. Um, we've, we've kind of, if you go on social media, people are beating each other over the head about what's real and what isn't real. And, you know, is it the, the media that's doing this and, you know, everyone relax. It's just a cold or it's just a flu. Uh, I'm going to get on my high horse for just a quick second. Just a quick second, because... Just one, just one. My job, right? So if you guys don't know, when I'm not doing this podcast, I work in public health. I'm a medical provider, and I my job in the next few months, uh, and I'm saying months, is going to be a scary one, because we don't know what this thing can do. We don't know. And 
you know, let's say it's just a flu. Let's just say it's a flu type. I mean, it isn't. Keep that in mind. It's 10 times more potent than the flu, and it appears to be hundreds of times more uh, fatal than the flu. Uh, let's just say that that's the case. Um, then we look like idiots and we say, wow, we overreacted. If it's not the case, if, if this isn't just the flu, if this is a completely different beast as we're seeing in Italy right now, as we saw in South Korea and we saw in, in Iran, then we have a serious um, uh, issue at hand. Um, I, I, I've been trying to figure out a way to communicate this and my wife sent me a post uh, that I thought was really good. So Imagine that the whole world was suddenly dumbed down to a swimming pool, okay? Lots of us can swim. Some of us have floaties on because the evidence suggests that children are more resilient than, than most others to this particular disease. But there are some people who can't swim well, and they need to be saved. The big challenge is that there aren't enough lifeguards to save everyone, and there are too many people in the pool. So it's hard to see who needs help. Um, this guy, and I'll say his name at the end here because I don't know where it is, but he, he's talking to his daughter. He told her, the best thing we can do is to get out of the pool. Just go to our towels, sit down, and have a popsicle and reapply sunscreen. Uh, his daughter looked at him and said, that makes more sense than anything else you've, you've said. Uh, what he didn't tell her is that there are an awful lot of folks who are hoarding life preservers, loudly trying to tell people who can't or trying to teach people who can't swim how to swim or proclaiming that there is no pool or just splashing around and not listening to the lifeguard uh, whistles so so that puts a, a great a great uh, uh, I guess analogy to what's going on um, makes sense yeah, yeah, yeah so the other thing too is you have to remember that uh, if we do this right and we isolate and we take all the people out of the pool and we help the people that need help, it's not going to be that bad. It might look like a new flu season. The problem with that is I'm afraid people are going to look back and say, see, see, I told you it wasn't that bad. Um, that's a good thing. I would rather people say that. But if they don't, uh, Ben Shapiro put up a great video where he goes through how long we delay and the issues that it, it faces. You know, if we delay six weeks to close everything, if we delay 12 weeks, if we do it, the numbers of sick and, and uh, dead just continue to rise and rise and rise. And most of us are in the pool. We know how to swim. We have no worries. But you, you got to remember there's, I mean, w what is the basis of us joining the military? What is the basis of this selfless act? It's to help out the vulnerable. I mean, that's the, that's the big hero, to, you know, uh, you know, I joined because I had nothing else to do with my life, but that's, that's the basis. You and me both. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, if you boil it down, I mean, that's like the romantic ideal, right? Is that we did this to be selfless. And I, you know, I'm, I just think going out to the bars, going out to the restaurant saying, you know, fuck this shit. These people don't know what they're talking about. It's just a flu. I, I think, I think that, I mean, I don't think I'm a public health expert. I, this is dangerous and it's not overhyped. And stop talking like it is there. Got off my soapbox. Now, that being said, mm -hmm. for those of us who have not drank the Kool-Aid, pretty sure a lot of us feel it is just a flu. Now, going back to that analogy used of being in the pool, I'd, I feel like people will turn around and say, see, I told you so the moment we actually do take that action and step back and not go out and it doesn't spread. It's kind of like a double-edged sword. It's like, okay, see, it didn't really get that bad, but it did get bad for some. Right, right. So I think it's kind of you, you see two sides of of this negative and positive where, well, 
it didn't get bad because we actually did what we we're supposed to do versus eh, I'm okay. I'll go out. I mean, I, I kind of did. So, yeah. well, you know, it's the cry wolf mentality and we've seen this with Zika. We saw this with SARS. We saw this with right. mares. We saw this with, um, Ebola. Uh, and you know, I agree when this first happened, I was like, you know, screw it guys. It's just another scare. They're just trying to scare us. Blah, 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 blah. The only difference is, 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 you know, I sat in, I, I stopped watching media and I said, you know what? I need a clear head with this because I have patients coming in right now that are concerned. And I'm like, do you know what? I'm just going to, I'm a PA, so I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but there, I, I'm in the room with a lot of smart guys and girls and I listened to them and I've sat in for hours and hours on these CDC discussions, on these public health discussions. And he, here's the problem too. Right, we got all these little microcosms uh, for the for the Marines. That means like little experiments throughout the, the world. Uh, Thank you. Good to ask. Yeah. So look over at uh, China now. What did China do? They, people are like, well, there's a billion people in China and only eighty thousand or whatever it is, hundred thousand got sick. And okay, I, right, I get that. But you got to remember, China is in America. They were welding people into their houses. They were killing people. There's videos out there of this woman who gets her neck broken. I wish, you know, when, once this, this podcast becomes a little more production-wise, we can pull up videos and stuff like that. But they're stopping people from leaving Wuhan, like, with force. They are, are welding people into their houses and, and or their, their um, uh, skyscrapers. And, and that, I mean, that works. That's how you stop a, a virus from from spreading. Uh, just real quick, it looks like we have Greg Morgan coming on. We'll talk to you a second, Greg. Uh, just make sure you pull up. Uh, you're going to come in muted, I think, so you're going to have to unmute when I say uh, go. And you'll notice we're not doing video right now, guys. It's because um, we're just getting some lag for some reason. I think a lot of people are using Zoom right now to do teleconferencing, so that might be one of the issues. Um, so yeah, so we compare it with China. China doesn't have liberties. China can just lock people in their houses and things won't spread. Great, right? Uh, we can't do that here. Uh, I lost my train of thought because I see people are, are popping up <laughs> right now on the uh, uh, in the the chat room. But right, yeah, yeah. So so we can't do that. Oh, okay. Then look. So you look at the numbers, and then I remember what I was going to say. Now you look at the numbers, and it's still two, three, four percent. You look over in Italy, and it's six percent. These numbers are real. This isn't fake. Those are real numbers of of mortality rates, and doctors are faced with the notion that they either have to uh, intubate the 40-year-old with two kids or intubate the 40-year-old with three kids. One's got right. diabetes, one's healthy. All right, who lives, who dies? And that's a freaking scary scenario. And that's not like, oh, this is what could happen. This is what is happening. And so that's why they instilled or in, in, instated these these social, um, uh, what do they call it? Not isolation, social restrictions. Because apparently when you look at these experiments, it works. And now it's here and people are saying, no, don't worry about it. And it's like, well, freaking look over at Italy. And they right. didn't worry about it. So I don't know. That's my argument back to you. If it's happening in Italy at 6%, what makes you think that it can't happen here? Like what what magic thing that we have that you say it can't happen here? That's for you, uh, uh, Jeremy. Oh, I thought that we were, thought you were tossing that to Greg. All right, so with the percentage that – for what for who have been infected that's pretty that is pretty high mm -hmm. now starting off with china alone china's got 80,981 says confirmed with 26 new cases in the last 24 hours yeah it slowed down as well as, as, well as over 3,000 deaths mm -hmm. with 11 new right that's a, a lot than, yeah a little more than three percent 
that's that's an insane amount. Now, again, the healthcare that's available there compared to what we have here, I think we have a lot more stubborn-headed people who think, oh, I've got TRICARE, I've got healthcare, I'll just go get medication. That number will jump because they feel, oh, I'll be fine. But as fast as this thing is hitting, I think that can happen here. I think the more we continue to be stubborn and say, oh, I'm just going to go out. I'm going to go stock up on toilet paper and hand sanitizer and think everything's going to be okay. You're still going out, possibly being infected or infected and infecting others, making things worse. I was a naysayer. I still kind of am because (laughs) it came came on the, the verge of Democrats being, you know, Something something's going wrong with their election process, and we figured, oh man, this is something new. But this was a different country. This wasn't us, right? And so. and, and I get that. I, I just because, like I said, uh, past what do they say in in um, in investments? I actually believe it or not, I was a stockbroker at one point. You know that? <laughs> um, I I totally believe that. Uh, it's like past performance doesn't dictate future perform or something like that all right past yeah, whatever I know what you mean. yep and so the past it doesn't dictate the future yeah, yeah. yeah and we're looking at the past and we're saying see i told you so and the problem yep. is we we just and here's the funny thing right i'm supposed to be in the know like i'm supposed to be the guy that's like yeah man you got a fever you come to me and i'll tell you i'll tell you what we're supposed to do right and people are coming to me and i'm like dude i know fuck all at this point <laughs> i just know right. don't, don't cough on me <laughs> and right. uh like I even, I'm down to the point where I might have to shave my beard, my glorious, glorious beard. Yeah, you I might can't have to shave, shave that beard, man. I know it's. I I like to think it. it's like. Um, wasn't there a? Was it Samson? His beard or his hair? It was yes. his hair. If he shaved his hair, he became weak. So that maybe that could be uh, an issue. The problem is too, though. I have to. I might have to wear an N95 mask, which has to seal around Ooh. my face, and I can't do that with a beard. So. Yeah, I, you can't. It's that whole military thing. You can't make the seal, man. It's gotta go. I did. You know, I did tell my wife that if I do, the mustache will stay. So I think it's kind of like, like with the beard, it's a plus P ammunition. With the mustache, it's your standard um, um, jacketed ball ammunition. So I think I still have a little go. bit of protection. I mean, gotta have some kind of protection at least. Dude, uh, <laughs> but, that, but that but that being said, Russell Russell sent me uh, a picture. Like, so I'm getting my teeth worked on. Uh, I, I I wasn't at the the uh, Reverend Warriors conference because I I cracked a tooth back in Sear School like 15 years ago, maybe more. I don't even know when it was. And they just they put a filling in it. and They're like, oh, you'll be good to go. And then I kind of always had like a sensitive tooth there, but I never really paid attention to it. And then I turn 40 and it decides that it's just going to explode in the middle of the night. And I wake up, dude, I thought I knew what pain was, right? I, I used to right. fight. I used to be a cage fighter and I've been punched in the face. No, dude, I was, I was rolling around like, what am I going to do? And of course, this always happens in the middle of the night. So I ended up having to have my, my tooth pulled. Uh, point of that. What the fuck was I going on with that one? The, uh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. So I'm sitting here, uh, I had braces at one point a couple years ago and I'm like, you know what? I get free refinements. Now that that tooth's gone, probably have a little more room. I'm just going to refine them up a little bit. And I'm sitting in the the dentist chair and the dentist, this is like two or three days ago. They're like all geared up with their masks and their respirators. And uh, as she's doing indentions, I'm like t- texting with, with uh, Russell and he sends me this uh, picture of a full body condom. <laughs> it looks like yeah. it looks like someone just peeled their skin off, cock and balls floating around. It was That's pretty. Great. <laughs> we had one person here at the Walmart here in Garner um, walking out in a full mop suit. It was pretty funny. 
Yeah. Really? Seriously? Full mop suit. I'm talking the military mop suit. Full full military guard mask, the whole thing. It was it was quite quite hilarious. That's awesome. I was trying to snap a picture, but I uh, had my hands full of toilet paper and groceries, so I couldn't. Did you really? Were you one of those guys? No, no. I had I had gone the day a couple days prior because I had actually ran out of toilet paper and got my normal little six pack that I get for two weeks. <laughs> and. Here's something I, I guess, you know, we talk about alarmism. We talk about all that. I think this is something that's important to bring bring up, too. Uh, if you're listening and you're a hiker and you're like, well, what the what do I believe in? You are going to be OK. Right. I like I gamble, man. I like the football season. I'm kind of pissed that I couldn't put some money down on March Madness. I enjoy that. And if you tell me I can go over to Vegas and have a 98 percent chance of winning on a certain bet, I'm going to go with that and not even blink twice about it, right? Picture a Oh, yeah. Pi- yeah, so the odds are you're going to be just fine. You're going to be just fine. Uh, the overwhelming odds. You catch this thing, everything will be good to go. Um, the people are going out hoarding stuff, and I, I think because in their mind there, there's this disconnect between are we going to do fine or are we all going to drop dead? Is this going to be like a 28 day, days later scenario? And that means infrastructure shuts down, which – it has, albeit it has, but there's still going to be truck drivers. Grocery stores are going to stay open. Even in Italy right now, the grocery stores are staying open. Stuff is going to get on the shelves. Like we're not at that level. What we're at, no. what we're at is that swimming pool analogy. Uh, we're at that point where there are vulnerable people, vulnerable people, that it's our duty. I mean, we can't just say, well, you know, you know, it's only killing eighty-year-olds. I mean, screw that. Who cares? No, you, you gotta care. These are human beings, right? And if the if let's just say, right? Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head the number of people that get infected with the flu. Most of us have have had the flu. Some of us, and, and I would say the majority, have had it without actually knowing that we've had it. Uh, so we have a kind of an innate, and that's the wrong term, but we do have an, uh, an ability to fight it off and not even know that we're infected. We've never been infected with this. So on a bad flu season, it's not unheard of to have 200, 150 million, 200 people, 200 million people infected with the flu, majority not knowing they have it. So take that number. Take, take, let's say we don't do anything and we have 200 million people that are infected. Like we didn't, we didn't close any schools. We didn't do anything. We just said, Freaking balls to the wall. We're we're not. We're gonna ignore this. Let's go out and party. You're talking best case scenario. Even if we say 0.4 percent, but I, I I think just by looking at it, we can honestly say one to two percent. Let's say two percent. You're talking about uh, two million dead. Two million dead. During Vietnam, that decade, most of the boomers, most boomers that we know, knew at least one person that died in Vietnam, and that was sixty thousand people. You add two million people, like suddenly that are not here, that's like a percentage of the population. That's that's almost one percent of the population. One out of every hundred people you see walking down the streets dead. That's that's nothing to and and yes, it's the vulnerable populations. It's the sick. It's the obese. It's the diabetics. It's the elderly. Um, I mean, you can't you can't discount those people. You can't count people out just because they're age. And it's, and it's coming from the CDC as of 2019. It's saying at least 8% of the population, the U.S. population, gets uh, sick from the flu. That's over 26 million people. And it says r- average over 200,000 end up in the hospital, end up hospitalized because of it every every flu season. Yeah, I, I've seen so. it. I've seen the effects of flu. I Every year I send... Mm-hmm. 
I send probably a dozen people straight to the hospital um, for admittance because they are sick. Hammity's supposed to be on right now, but he's not. He said, if you shave your beard and keep your mustache, you'll look like Saddam Hussein after being diagnosed with the coronavirus. Oh, he's on. Are you are you, are you J-A-L-G-H, Hammity? Yes. All right. Ch- chime in, Hammity. Screw it, man. You, you, you're on two minutes ago. <laughs> Oh, it's okay, guys. I was just uh, listening to you guys. It was awesome. Hammony, oh, I, I believe I believe what you just did is you white shamed me. You made me feel like um, that my my skin tone is less than perfect uh, compared to an Iraqi. No, oh, I said if you shave your beard uh, and you keep your mustache, you will look like Saddam Hussein after being diagnosed with the coronavirus. Right, which would be pale and and gaunt and. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> What's up, guys? Uh, you know, this is nuts, man. Um, I am. I just have different opinions about what's happening right now. Oh, wait, because... right, real quick, uh, Hamity. I want to. Yeah. I want to introduce you to the uh, Hamity is going to be on a special, like I don't know, six part series coming up for the uh, IW podcast, uh, Twenty One Guns. So we're not going to get too much into that, but let's just. Uh, Hamity is a, a former Iraqi uh, senior NCO. He's got a great story. Check him out. Just Google the terrorist whisper. You can read all about him. Uh, but we've become good friends because in this disclosed location um we live pretty near each other so we've been hanging out and i've been teaching him the way of the bourbon world go <laughs> hamity you're on yeah I, I think it's just i have a i am a little more conservative about what's happening right now i mean i understand this is something serious um you know people needs to be careful and keep themselves away if they're sick staying home but i'm also worried about the economy man i'm worried about like what if we run out of money that's a lot worse right now. If people run out of money, the chaos that we could have. And I can see people started to slowly kind of really lose control. Uh, I was at Walmart last night and I saw a man wearing a trash bag in his face. <laughs> and oh, I, I swear, I, you know, I lived through Baghdad curfew and all this crazy stuff going on in Iraq. And I'm like, I've never seen someone get to that level. And um, that's what scares me. You know, it's just the people that are losing uh, losing their cool and they're out there uh, reacting really like in a very weird way. And that scares me, you know, yeah. because I don't want somebody uh, and, and if, if, if this country lose control of itself, I don't want somebody trying to rob my house uh, for my refrigerator or trying to kill me so they can eat my bread or, and you have to understand like us as people here, um, we might be a little okay, but we have to worry about the ones that are really living day to day. Mm-hmm. and they can't afford to be out of job for one day. And if they're not working for one day, they can't eat. I mean, th- millions of these people exist. Can I can um, I chime in for a quick second? I think yeah. I think here, too, is, is an issue. Um, and I don't want to – I hate trashing on millennials because I served with a bunch of millennials. Yeah. I'm technically tail-end yeah. millennial, hey. tail-end Gen X. But I think, I think for the most part, uh, we we have a generation, obviously not you guys, not the irreverent warriors who sacrificed a lot, but we have a generation of kids that never left their mom's boobs, right? They were, they've been coddled their whole lives, and we're <clears throat> saying to them right now, we're saying, and some of these kids uh, were just young children during September 11th, which, which wasn't even, I mean, it was a horrible thing, but as far as sacrifice for an entire country, it wasn't that... That it didn't take that much. I mean, it just beat the shit out of us, but we didn't like have to give up anything. We're now for the first time saying, we're basically telling children 
uh, no, you have to put down your video game and eat your dinner, you know, and they're having a tantrum saying, what, what? Um, maybe that's a negative way to look at it. And, and that's a possibility. I've been known to be a little, um, harsh on millennials, but are we seeing like a tantrum, uh, a group of people who have basically been spoiled by, and, and this might actually go beyond millennials too, you know, a whole generation of people that have been raised without real sacrifice, without having to stand in soup lines without I having agree. to. Yeah. So, uh, we might be seeing the repercussions of that. I agree because if you compare it to like Baghdad, like Baghdad in 2005 to 2007, you know, had a curfew, people couldn't get out, you know, car bombs and suicide builds will, will blow up every single day, every morning. But what happens next is people clean up the roads, move the body, sticks the injured, treat him and life moves on. Yeah, it has to, um, it has to. You know, because if you don't, nobody, we're not America, obviously, because we can't, we have to work that day in order for us to eat or feed our children. <laughs> so for this uh, generation that you're talking, <clears throat> I'm sorry, guys. Oh, man. Oh, oh, he's got it. <laughs> All right, got it. There it is. Uh, so, um, so basically, you know, yes, you're right. This is a generation that we're dealing with right now who has never dealt with any crisis before or been to war or have had any kind of stress. And that can scare you because if they lose control, um, it will be hard to control them back again. You know, like the, it, it's it's to the point where I like to be careful about this, but also I don't want to make it like more dangerous and yeah. scare people. You know, I went I went to. Um, to the bar last night and there wasn't many people and i felt bad you know because it's a business yeah it sucks it completely sucks for them and they're hurting they're like you know it's not their usual saturday they're not making the money they want and and that could hurt them that could really really sure it's cost gonna cost jobs down the road yeah. so i i feel like you know um this is not as as hard as as we think it is you know perhaps iraq has been infected badly with it iran as well uh, and, and it's just the same thing that I'm looking at because, you know, I'm from overseas, mm -hmm. the same thing I'm looking at. It's a lot of news. Like right now, I don't see much about really true things about the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. I think I just watched a video this morning about a guy who had it and talked about it. And he was like, yeah, I didn't take any antibiotics while I was doing just drinking Gatorades and breathing. And that, that's all it was. Yeah, yeah. And he said that the flu was actually worse. Like, oh, sure. This one didn't, didn't have like, you know, the, the conjections and then, you know, he said it was just like a lot less when the flu would feel, but you know, and, he was and, drinking water or whatever. But what I see from mm -hmm. overseas is a lot of the news as well. And that's what scares me, you know, like, yeah, well, we were I talking about this. Be, we were talking about yeah. how it's not the overwhelming odds are that you're going to be okay. That's the overwhelming odds. It's thinking exactly. about the people who won't be. And, and here's the thing that, and I'm, I'm going to keep bringing this up. I'm, I promise the last time I say it. Why do we as Americans think that we are different than South Korea, than Iran, than than Italy right now? Why do we think that our immune systems will just blow this thing off and we'll all high five and sit by the pool in a few weeks and be like, that was that was overblown? Why do we think we are above the six percent fatality rate right now in Italy? Maybe you have an answer. Go. Uh, I have an answer. Absolutely. You know, if you look at Iraq, man. Uh, we're we're not the same as other people in the Middle East. People in the Middle East, uh, you know that they eat with their own hands. Right. Five, six, maybe ten people eat out of the same plate with their own hands. Mm -hmm. What about so Italy, if, though? Italy is Europe, man. It, That's a first world country. 
Yeah, but you know what? Illy, they also kiss each other. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> Wait, yeah, is that do. why you always try to kiss me on the cheeks when I see you? I know, man, but <laughs> you're just not into it. <laughs> you know, but Italy also, you know, sometimes the culture really, like, the culture really, like, makes a huge impact uh, on things, you right. know? Uh, perhaps the only reason we have a, we had a kind of little bit of a bad break in Iraq with that is because of the culture because you go to weddings and funerals and they put all these big meals which you, most of you guys who served remember that from you know iraq and they eat with their own hands and it's easy to transmit or have an outbreak here in america i i don't see us really having a lot of problems like that we, we we're not so the, the the furthest thing we would do is really do a handshake that's it you know what i mean and sometimes we do we don't so uh I, I see that why people overseas have had a, a terrible break. And uh, I just don't think in my heart, way deep in my heart, that this could be controlled. Yes, if we keep people away for a little bit until it goes away. But I am more worried about the economy. I'm more worried about this generation that's a freaking out that could lose control. And then what are we going to do to get them to calm down again? And then new, what I'm afraid of also is I don't want to be a victim of the of the mainstream media views battle between I, I Fox agree. News and NBC. They I don't are, want to be a victim of this. They're taking advantage of this. They definitely, exactly. definitely are politically. They're taking and... advantage of it politically for the end of this year for the election. They're taking advantage of it for reviews because mm -hmm. the more fear monger you put out there is the more um, the more people get attached to it and carry well, on and spread it all over the place. Perhaps I made, a, I made a tweet to one of CNN reporters this morning. Uh, who made a tweet kind of like really scaring people saying, oh, I'm so afraid my parents are not taking this seriously. And, and it's just it really it really is as this is a battles of abuse between between, uh, so, you know, media networks. And I don't want to be a victim because I know they live in really secure places in New York City uh, with a lot of security guards in their apartments. Nobody will make it to them. But I'm worried about my little town. Can I tell uh, you? Can I tell you, and I'll have uh, uh, you answer this. Um, being, like I said, being, and, and I don't mean to put this as a badge on my shoulder, but I, I feel like it gives me a little more insight. But being a person in the medical field and, and having studied pathophysiology of viruses, and uh, and I'm by no means a viral, what do you call them, viral, virologist or something? Virologist. Epidemiologist. I'm, I'm by no means that, but I mean, I would say, treating 25,000 patients in my lifetime and practicing medicine for eight years gives me a little bit uh, on that. I am, I am, I'm a little worried. Like I, I think personally, I think people aren't taking it seriously enough. Um, but that's just my opinion. And like I said, and I said a million times, every time I put a social media post, I say, I hope to God you guys just trash me at the bar in a few weeks and be like, oh, Sully, you're such a wimp, blah, blah, blah. See how that oh thing blew God. over? I'd be like, awesome. <clears throat> I yes. can't wait for that moment. I actually. hope it happens, man. I hope it happens. Yep. Jeremy, let me ask you a question. Okay. Have you been, uh, I see you all, all over social media and stuff. What, what do you think the role that plays? I mean, people, I've seen it. People are turning on each other and beating the shit out of each other when that's not accomplishing a damn thing. So are you talking about verbally or physically? Because I've seen both. Oh, I haven't seen anyone beat the shit out of each other, but I've seen, oh. I've seen, ver well, I've just seen people go back and forth in social media. So social, what I've seen lately on social media, including my own, um, granted, I'm a bit of a troll. So I, I, I tend to poke the bear a little bit, <laughs> but <laughs> that being said, I'm not that much of an asshole, but I've seen 
including amongst ourselves and in the veteran community, 100% bashing each other. It's gone from one side being, oh, my family has this, my family has that, I'm worried about my kids, I'm worried about my grandmother. Okay, I get that. Doesn't mean you get to be a dick. Now, a preface was saying your your attitude does not dictate your manners. Just because you're upset about it does not mean you have the right to treat someone like shit. Now, in my case, um, I've had a few friends actually delete me off Facebook because I kept posting and saying this is. I mean, I'm not saying it's a hoax. I'm not. Um, I'm not an idiot. I know this is real because people are clearly dying. Um, but I've had people call me, you know, a a tinfoil hat, moron, blah, blah, blah. I don't feed into the conspiracies. So that kind of defeats that whole purpose. But I've, I, I've been, I've had my ass chewed out, but I've also chewed out a couple people saying, you know, okay, you're, you're 27 years old. You're perfectly healthy. You don't have any underlying conditions. I think you're going to be okay. You should probably calm the fuck down. And then I get the retaliation. I shouldn't calm down. People are dying. Well, are you dying? No. Yeah calm the fuck down yeah yeah, and that's again we brought that up because um you know like i said the the odds are take a take a hundred sided dice and uh roll it and then see you know and expect it to land on one or two numbers it's not going to happen i mean it will eventually roll that thing a thousand times and you're going to see it's going to hit those numbers two times basically i'm talking about the odds yeah the odds are that that you're going to do just fine um, so when I went to when I went to um, Walmart the other day, um, the day after I got my toilet paper, by the way, um, I saw a family in there, young family, probably probably mid twenties. They had a little baby in their arms, um, rushing to get toilet paper, and the husband was walking around with a child, kind of willy nilly, not really worried. And the wife was with a cart, like rush, 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 got to get to the end. And she is like yelling at him. We got to get this. 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 We got it. She was just rambling stuff off quickly. And you can just see the look on his face like, damn it. Why did I come to the store for one? Because you never go shopping with your spouse ever. That is like the worst thing to do. Two, you never shop with your spouse in a panic because then it comes down to, we have to make sure we get everything we need. And if we don't have everything we need, then people freak out. It causes more mass hysteria, and that's also within your in your local area. One person sees another person panicking. Oh, if that person's panicking, it must be real. It must be serious. And everybody else starts panicking. It's a it's a it's a downhill slope that people get into when it comes to this kind of pandemic bullshit that's being thrown around. Again, I still feel it's a little out of a little blown, blown, little blown out of proportion compared to what it could be, but people are freaking out and some just take it in strides, take it as it comes. And that's what I'm doing. Just if it comes, I'll deal with it. If it, if it doesn't, I'm, I'm okay. Right. Right. Hamity. Thanks for coming on, bro. Uh, feel free to stay Anytime. on. We're going to switch over to, um, uh, the, the Vilf, the Dilf who's a Vilf. <laughs> I feel like an All asshole right, saying that. You guys have a wonderful Appreciate day. Appreciate All right, man. Anytime. Take care. Bye-bye. Greg, are you on there? I think you have to unmute yourself, Mr. Uh, Gregory. Should be. Oh shit! I don't know how to unmute you. Let me try to do it. Let me try to do it myself. There, I unmute you. Unmuted you. Can you say hi? Uh, uh, yes, Greg here. How you guys doing today? Awesome, man. How's it going? This is actually working out really, really good. The video aspect kind of shit the bed, and I think because 
My my guess is when I was pulling this up, it said be prepared for delays because most people right now are using teleconferencing um, to plan out their weeks and stuff. So I think that had something to do with it. So we're just doing audio only, um, which is too bad because I see uh, Mr. Federline on right now and he's got a beard that competes with mine. And that's that's a little intimidating. We're going to have him on in a little bit too here in a minute. But all right. So, uh, Greg, I wanted you, you brought up a good point. <clears throat> and of course, we'll do a quick intro. Greg's a uh, former artillery uh, guy with the Army. He runs uh, VILF, which if you've seen the VILF shirts uh, on IW Hikes, that's his his brainchild. I'm sure he's got a lot of other things on his resume there. But considering we're a little short on time, uh, did I cover at least that much, Greg? You did. You All right. did. All right, cool. And he's also down the road, too. This is a North Carolina type of... This is a Clayton uh, episode, sort of. Um, but yeah, you had said something serious, uh, something that caught my eye, and it was, remember, this is about social distancing versus isolation. And as we know as veterans, isolation is a killer. Indeed. I, I am really concerned, uh, and it came to the forefront of my mind last night because I've got an army friend who lives in California. I'm on Facebook messenger last night talking to him. He is trying to work through a divorce and, and, you know, build a new relationship and he is struggling out there right now. Uh, but with all the experts asking people to social distance themselves, I've been really concerned about members of the veteran community, uh, actually isolating themselves and and that's becoming more and more of a concern and most of us are on social media but there are quite a few that are not that's right yeah i mean you look at the uh not to pick on you guys but even you know a lot of our desert storm guys if they served when they were 40 believe it or not they're in their 70s now um look at like my every time you go on a hike you see some guy walking along and you're like that's that's definitely not a post 9-11 veteran and they're they're just as welcome obviously as any veteran that's out there uh what i mean what do you think what what can we do because you know if someone is 70 years old and you're choosing to go to the bar, go to the restaurant, go hang out and say, this is just a joke. And then you show up at your friend's house or your neighbor's. I have a neighbor right here. He's 72 years old. This guy was a uh, part of the, I want to say it was, who was Tropic Thunder? Was that the 25th ID? I believe it was the 25th ID. He was part of the Wolfhounds who uh, really, I mean, incredible story about what they experienced in Vietnam. I see sick people every day. I'm going to keep my distance from them solely because if I get sick, fine, I'm going to beat this thing. But if he gets sick, he could be a statistic. That's true. And I think it's more important right now that all veterans use uh, their social media or messaging apps or even text messaging uh, to try to reach out and contact other members of the veteran community just to check in on them, say hello, ask them you know, if they've got all the supplies that they need, if they're hunkered down, if they feel good about themselves and things like that. And, you know, something I've been doing a little bit more research on lately is the VA recently issued their latest uh, report on veteran suicide uh, through 2017. And I was amazed that the highest amount of veteran suicides right now is coming from the 55 to 70 year old age bracket. Uh, I'm just short of that now. And the second highest amount of total veteran suicides in 2017 were the 35 to 54, which is the range that I fall in. 
Are you sure? Uh, I so thought it's, I, it's, I had you. I had you pegged out for sixty-five to seventy. Oh no, no! I, I just went gray prematurely. <laughs> I'm just busting nah, your balls. Can't be a vilf at, at that point. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're not a vilf. You're a gilf. <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know, it, it, when I was reading that uh, those statistics, reading that report, and how it relates to all of the different things I'm involved in in the veteran community. Uh, you know, I wanted to start sharing this information because I think a lot of people have a misconception of veteran suicide, the rates, the demographics of it. And, you know, all of the young veterans are on social media, so they've got ease of access to someone that they can reach out to. But it's the older veterans in the community that don't necessarily use those apps. I mean, I myself, I can remember when the Internet became the Internet. Uh, and so I'm, I'm a little bit more technology challenged than some of you younger guys are. Well, I figured since you helped create it, you'd know more. Him and Al Gore. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. Hey, you know, you bring up a good point. You bring up a good point because in medicine we know, uh, and this has just always been a fact that you're, so we're, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a psychologist. I don't do anything. I mean, we do our, our, uh, shotgun psych classes and then we're on our own Uh, but we are trained to identify that the most likely suicides or the most the highest suicide rate comes from uh, men over the age of 60 especially and then you add veterans on there and you add widowers or you add even more social uh, isolation and their numbers skyrocket people don't realize that they are the highest males uh, elderly males are the highest suicide rate uh, in the country yeah and one, one of the things that one veterans organization that I'm engaged with here in our area that we've started doing is we are doing a uh, telephone check where we routinely call uh, each member, active member has 10 names and phone numbers of, of community veterans that we try to contact, reach out to, to check on them. If it's nothing but a two minute to three minute conversation and spend more time listening than talking. Uh, and we we have uh, discovered that that is quite beneficial right now uh, as a way to help our aging veterans. Dude, that's I never heard of that. That's freaking incredible. Is there any way that like people can get involved in that? Is this a nationwide thing or is this just something you guys started locally? This is something that we started locally that was a, it's based on a recommendation from the uh, national organization. Okay. Uh, so we started it locally within our own uh, veteran service organization, and I'm sure that other veteran service organizations are doing it. If they're not, I'm hoping that uh, maybe somebody that's engaged in another state, another locale, will hear this podcast and try to initiate something in their own veteran service organization. Yeah, that's what. Which organization is it that's that's doing this? It's the American Legion. Okay. Uh, and maybe a call to action to Reverend Warriors folks that are listening to this right now, because I know you motherfuckers have nothing else to do over the next few days. Uh, you know, look into this. See if you guys can get a list of a, a phone tree. I know a lot of guys are associated. We got uh, Nick David, who we went out shooting with, was it last weekend, two weekends ago? He's he's heavily involved with the Legion. If he can get numbers out, I don't know if there's like some sort of legality of that, but uh, like Greg's saying, there's a lot of old guys that, I won't even know how to listen to this podcast. If we can get someone to reach out and be like, Hey, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a veteran, blah, blah, blah. And, and just reach out. I mean, dude, that's the first time I heard of that. And that's a freaking incredible, incredible, uh, idea. Yeah. That's awesome. 
the more we can get it out. Yeah, the and 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 to tell you the truth, and not not to give a, a, a slanted uh, opinion on anything, but you know, I just turned fifty-one last week, last Friday. And getting involved in Irreverent Warriors last year, participating with the Silkies Hikes, uh, now being part of one of the planning teams, uh, I have found it to be a very fulfilling experience at this point in time of my life and has given me something that I can hang on to um, as I'm going through what some people think is a midlife crisis. Yeah. Well, we're definitely happy to have you, man. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Greg, thank you uh, a lot for your information. Um, you know, obviously stay on the line if you want to listen to the rest of this. If not, peace out. And this will be up. I'm probably going to put this up after we talk. It's going to be up today, uh, if not as soon as I can get it up. Uh, so thanks for calling in, man. Thank you, guys. Thanks, All right, Greg. cool. Next, we have Jason Liederfein. Yes, das ist gut. <laughs> I, might be, I might be jumping uh, the gun there. It just sounds like a German name. Maybe it's Dutch. I don't know likely German. All right, there we go. What's up, man? Hey, I, I liked, I looked at you were a, uh, a fight commentator. Yes, sir. I'm trying not to get off subject here, obviously. Um, but I used to be heavy. When I got out of the, the Air Force, I was medically discharged for uh, post-traumatic stress, which ended up really being uh, TBI symptoms. And the first thing I did, because I, I wrestled my whole life and, and you know, was in martial arts, arts and all that my whole life, uh, is find the nearest fight gym and go in there and just, sp I mean, I was spending three hours a day. I was, I had my first fight, uh, which was supposed to be, I'm trying to remember the name of the North Carolina organization, uh, cage fight organization. I, God, it escapes me. Um, I had my first fight scheduled at the age of 32 or maybe I was 33 and then training, I blew up my MCL. And then I was like, I'm laying on the mat. My legs, the side, it's just swollen up. I can't stand on my knee. And I'm like, dude, what am I doing? <laughs> this is just friggin' stupid. So I, I bowed out due to injury. And uh, I never looked back at going into a cage. But welcome yeah, aboard, man. I went to the Army to wrestle. And uh, I was in Europe. And I won the All-Armed Forces Championship, which would have qualified me to try out for the uh, – all army wrestling team, but ended up getting stop loss and deployed. And that kind of put an end to my career. Fast forward a few years. And at 34, I made my MMA debut. Nice. Uh, 35. I fought again. And each time I fought, it's been, you know, just to raise money for charity. And it's kind of hard fighting on my own promotion because I work for the promotion as well. So I still have to do my normal job. Sure. Yeah. And uh, two weeks ago, I just fought again, uh, for my last time and I ended up raising $2,500 for reverend warriors. Nice. I saw that. That was pretty for cool. Our, for our march here in Memphis. Um, my, you know, post-fight speech, I, I asked people, I, you know, uh, I had a company help design a shirt for me, and they came up with a really, really good slogan, which is, know my fight, join my fight, be my fight. And I let everybody know what my fight is and what it was for. Then I asked them to join it. Um, I had everybody hold up their cell phone in the crowd. There's about 1,500 people there. And I told them tonight, you're going you're gonna to be my fight. You're going to call a veteran, and you're going to tell them that, your life wouldn't be the same without them in it. And uh, one of the commentators I normally work with commented on the broadcast, my brother was a Marine. I haven't heard from him in a while, and I just texted him. And I told him that, you know, his his life matters, and, and it's not the same without him. It wouldn't be the same without him in it. Yeah. And uh, I was getting messages from people saying, my life wouldn't be the same without you in it, you know, people that I haven't heard from in a while. So the message got out. The message was clear. And, you know, that – Last weekend, I did a jiu-jitsu tournament in Clarksville, Tennessee. You know, I'm, I'm 39 years old in May. Um, 
you know, you just got to find what that is that will, that will want to keep you going. Like the last caller talked about, you know, certain males over a certain age are, are more likely to commit suicide. You know, think about what we go, go through, you know, once you hit your forties, you know, let's say you're going through divorce, you're going through child custody issues, you're going through breakups, you're going through financial issues. It's extremely hard on a male. Um, why do I know that? Because I'm going through it myself and, and I understand and I see how difficult it is on, on a male, especially financially, you know, emotionally support wise, people all seem to support the, the woman, no matter what. And the courts are like that child supports like that. The man just really finds himself isolated at that point. And now we're in a situation where hey, you're not supposed to go outside. You know, I'm working from home right now because my company's decided we don't want people close to each other. I didn't get to go to jujitsu last week at all and work out at all last week, which has been a, a large contributor to my mental health. So, you know, this can lead to, to some more problems for us if we don't reach out and check up on each other. But the biggest thing is us veterans, we can't be the only ones doing it. We can't be the only ones that are reaching out. We've got to encourage other people to do it, non-veterans, because they're obviously, we're only 1%. They're the other 99%. We've got to get them on board to reach out and support us like we do each other. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to pose some challenges. And, and what I like about this conversation we're having with everyone is there's shit that I haven't even thought about. Right. Um, you know, we think about, okay, most people are going to be, uh, isolated over the next or not isolated. We're trying to use restricted, uh, whatever it is, social restriction over the next few weeks or whatever. Um, but there's, and then of course we have our vulnerable communities of elderly and stuff like that, but man, yeah, I, I, this is really opening my eyes to the fact that, um, we're going to be facing a challenge about how to keep each other engaged, how to keep each other from being isolated when that might be the case. Now, I, I don't know, and I'm not going to give anyone advice along this, but I don't know if that means hunker down with each other. And if you isolate as a group and everyone gets sick as a group and you're young and healthy, it's probably not going to be an issue. Um, you just got to watch where you go and you got to watch and keep your eyes on, on the, the populations that could suffer from this. So yeah, right. this, this is going to be a bigger problem than, you know, even if this blows over the fact that we are, are self implementing these, these procedures, these, um, restrictive procedures, uh, it's going to have a ripple effect among, among, you know, veterans that, that isn't, and I don't want to use this word cause man, I've been, I've been going through therapy for the last nine months and she wants me to say, um, uh, things that make me vulnerable and I don't freaking say <laughs> the word vulnerable and veteran does not go well together, but they might just be a at risk community. We'll use that term an at risk community that we're not thinking about with this whole, uh, issue with this whole COVID thing. Some of the things we got to remember is where we've been and what we've been through, you know, in Iraq, what were we exposed to tuberculosis, you know, leishmaniasis, hepatitis, the water at the, the base that I was at was tested and had 58% fecal bacteria. Uh, I remember that. Which base was it? I was at a place called Fob Wilson, which was about a mile from Adwar, which was where Saddam Hussein was captured. Okay. It was in between Crit and Samara. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they were to, we were told if you have a cut on your body, don't take a shower because the water will get you. I had to brush my teeth with bottled water for a year, shave with bottled water for a year. And, you know, the only thing that I got was tinnitus and PTSD. I, I survived. So, you know, facing something like this to me isn't really a big deal. Um, right. You know, the jiu-jitsu tournament last week, I was I was going against a guy, and he was starting to cough and stuff. So I tried to snap his arm off. I submitted him, and I walked away, and he said, you know, I've got an upper respiratory infection. I was like, oh, that's that's awesome. Great <laughs> that you competed at jiu-jitsu tournament with that. Yeah. Um, 
but again, you know, at practice, we're sweating on each other, bleeding on each other, coughing on each other. People are, you know, the biggest thing, clean your, clean your clothes, wipe the mats down. Just, you just use common sense. Um, uh, I don't understand the freak out. I went yesterday to a couple of places and just to see the, what's going on in stores. And sure enough, all the toilet paper's gone. All, all, all the stuff is gone. People are starting to buy Kleenex uh, in, in, to replace toilet paper, which is only going to damage their toilets and septic systems and stuff like that. We're, I, I don't understand it. I, I don't know why we're going crazy, but we are. And hopefully this blows over pretty quickly, which I think it will. I think a, a big thing, too, is look back on, say, uh, the World War One generation. Uh, their kids, the shit hit the fan with, uh, we'll say initially with the, the uh, Great Depression. So they look back and they, they look back to their parents who went through the Spanish flu and went through World War One, and they say, okay, what do we do? And they were like, oh, don't worry, you got it. And, and there's that, I don't know what you would call it, almost like uh, a genetic memory from one generation to the next. And, and, right. and that, that, that um, grit and that um stick to that whatever that is that into that that has been passed on for generation to generation and then 1960 hit um and i'm not saying that there was no issues between 1960 and 1980 but nothing along the scale of of what we saw like in the spanish flu and like we saw in world war one and world war two and now we're looking back i mean christ the we're like 50 years out of 1960. Are we? Are we like 60 or something like we're 60 years out of 1960. Are we? I can't do the math, but either way, we're looking back at the next generation, the previous generation. We're like, Hey man, what do we do? And they're like, fuck if I know, (laughs) good luck. I'm glad you brought up that hoarding thing because that's exactly true. The people that lived through the depression, they hoarded everything. My uncle, his, his mom, she was hoarding all, you know, soaps and stuff like that. And he was going through hard times. She had 300 bars of soap. 400 things of shampoo. So he took two bars of soap and a bottle of shampoo and he took it home. By the time he got to his house, he had three messages on his answer machine from his mom. How am I ever going to replace that soap? How am I ever going to replace that, that shampoo? I need it back. It was more shampoo or soap than she could ever use in her life. But she was concerned that he took two bars of soap and a thing of shampoo because he had, it fell in hard times and needed it. And we're seeing that again. We're seeing this hoarding for no reason whatsoever, you're, you're getting more toilet paper than you could use in the next six months. But once one person hears it, everyone's buying it, everyone says, oh, crap, I'd better buy it too. So because it's, it's going to be short, short-lived, i short I'm not going to have any. So we're panicking, I think. Again, we're panicking for nothing. Uh, you know, obviously us, uh, you get a squatty potty or whatever that squirts your butthole and you don't have to worry about <laughs> toilet paper. <clears throat> I've seen those so things. I, I, I think we'll. I think we'll get over this. I think this is gonna. This is gonna die down once the weather turns warm and people are like we're not sitting in the house when it's cold and rainy. It's it's April. It's gonna be nice outside. We're getting out of the house. We don't care. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Jason, man. Thanks for coming on. Um, yeah, very good. Cool. Appreciate it, man. Uh, we got a lot in common, and um, really appreciate it, man. Anytime. So, Jeremy, our next uh, our next person is is uh ed ryan but he's he's not calling in so i just texted him to see if he would come on um but you can chat for me while he's uh i'll wait for him so yeah yeah, go ahead i'm sure you got some things off what jason was saying earlier um so this whole being stuck inside this comes back to being in the around the veteran community and then including in the hikes so every time you go to a hike every time you go to an outing a veteran gathering people always give out their information and people say oh we'll reach out or uh keep in touch and now now that we're not having this face-to-face conversation, this is now forcing a lot of us to actually act on what we said we'd do. 
granted a lot of us do do that on a day-to-day basis regardless we still reach out but those who are they give out their information kind of skeptical are you really going to call you're really going to text we're really going to hang out i think this is a a really good way because now i think also on top of that including myself not really putting yourself out there too much um since this thing kicked off um it's made you make plans with friends once this thing starts to blow over to actually get out so it's kind of working like a, a full circle it's like hey i joined this hike I went to this camping trip. I went and saw this movie. I went and did this. We had the movie screening and people didn't really get out. This is, I think, kind of forcing a lot of us to really put ourselves out there. Like, hey, I'm, I'm home alone. Hey, I need to talk. Hey, I need to get out. I think this is a good way to do it. Kind of like a, a, a lighter side to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, maybe it's just a challenge too, right? I mean, and and of course, we're always saying, let's hope it's just a challenge. And Hamity, you know, like I said, I hope you're beating my way. I'm not going to say that. I almost said the weirdest thing. I hope you're well, um, you breaking my balls. What's that? First you said, first you won't kiss him. And now you're talking about him beating you off. <laughs> At the bar. No, I'm hoping he's breaking my balls next week. I really, really do. Um, but yeah, I mean, if there's something and, and Jason brought this up and a lot of people brought this up, uh, if there's something that we're good at is that's, um, you know, getting a challenge and improvising, right? Uh, for the guys who initially went into Iraq in 03, they were given um, basically canvas doored uh, Humvees and they're like, have at it. This is what you got. And, and they yep. had to improvise and we did and we did well. <laughs> We were in the C-130s. We were using duct tape to, to duct tape, uh, what do you call it, um, uh, uh, armor up on the side of our aircraft. Uh, inside, of course, it would look ridiculous on the outside. But still, I mean, that's just that's just what we do as veterans. And I think, you know, I know we're going to make it through this. I mean, there's no, this isn't 28 days later. This isn't doom or gloom. This is a challenge, and we just have to address it. And we're going to be just fine. I just don't want the people who we should be keeping our eyes on to not do fine and that's what it comes down to all right i think we got ed on the line sure do awesome what's up man all right do you hear me yeah yeah we hear you we hear you uh just fine uh it looks like you called in yeah yeah i, I did the whole zoom thing you know okay. through the uh through the app there cool and do you want to do what i haven't been doing i haven't been asking people their their iw relationship i guess i should do that uh what what's your relationship with iw hiker you coordinator no, no, I'm just a hiker. Uh, basically, I found out about the Irreverent Warriors through like the hikes, mm-hmm. uh, through Instagram and Facebook, and I joined for out of a one out of and uh, the first one I did uh, just for the hike. I just been hiking right now uh, out in uh, Fort Bragg. You okay, know? cool. Yeah, you're right down in uh, Fayetteville. We're up, we're up in the Clayton area. Well, actually, I live in, I stay in Winston Salem, so it was quite a drive for. It was about like maybe two and a half hour drive. Uh, yeah, I don't think, I think, uh, we have so many out here in the Eastern side of the state. We, I don't think we have many out on the, the Western side of the state out there. Yeah. Um, no, it's no big deal. It gives me something to look forward to do, you know? Yeah. Um, something to focus on my health since it's, um, I mean, you know, getting, you know, the thing with veterans is that you get fatter as they get out because they don't PT as much, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and you know what? A lot of people discount this, but uh, eating shitty foods, drinking alcohol, and staying in bed all day, that's, that's, 
Now, now this is going to be a double-edged sword. I'm going to say it's some of the best treatment for PTSD and anxiety because it works so effectively at tamping down those feelings and those symptoms. But in the same sense, it's the most dangerous thing because A, you isolate, B, you just turn less healthy and then, you know, things go downhill from there. I'm a firm believer in that what you put in your body and how you treat your body has 99% to do with how you feel mentally when you start your day. Um, I agree. What do yeah, you have? Definitely. What do you, What do you have to bring to this uh, this situation we're finding ourselves in? This uh, uh, again, we're not saying social isolation; we're saying social distancing uh, that we're experiencing now as veterans. Well, I've always been like, I'm kind of always kept myself type of thing, but the the and you know you prepare as much as you can. You you know you get practical things like you know me. I I'm literally in my car just got done doing a little bit of you know panic shopping from walmart and the goal was to get rice and beans and stuff like that you know mm-hmm. for me okay. and the thing is it's like you, you prepare a little bit but you don't um you don't necessarily panic about it you do what you can you prepare the best you can and then when you come up to it you deal with it just like you would in the military you know like you don't like those situations apparently but you come up to it you train for it and then you deal with it yeah and hopefully yeah. it's really no different from doing it now except everybody's just i think everybody's like more on the panic side than being concerned you know right and i think that is the fine line that we're walking here i think that's the line that we need to address especially with each other is this isn't a time to panic uh, the stores are not going to shut down. The, the supply chain is in place. Um, if this was like an EMP where suddenly we didn't even have contact and we're just out in the back shooting our neighbor's dogs and that sort of thing, absolutely, man, 100%. Go, uh, go walking dead. But in this situation, you know, our, our country's strong, and we also came into this with a freaking solid, solid economy. Um, and we had a lot of consumer um, confidence. And yeah, the markets are going to shift and they're going to tank for lack of a better term, because this is an unknown, right? This is something that we've never experienced, at least in our generation and in this current age. So we're like, what do we do? What's going on? Uh, And there's going to be some pain, even if this turns out to be nothing. Let's say this was a big hoax and there's nothing going on. The markets are going to shift. So we have to kind of work our way through that. And I don't have any advice for that. I mean, I, I just... I just I say, do. okay, go for it. Do it calmly, do it responsibly and use your head. When you go, that's like going into a store on an empty stomach. You don't, you're not going to shop for future meals. You're literally shopping in the moment. And that's the problem with what's going on now. You're li- people are literally doing things in the moment. Therefore being in the moment and afraid and unsure of what's going on, people are panicking and grabbing and doing things without really thinking about it. So if we really went about this whole toilet paper craze and thought, hmm, how many how many rolls of toilet paper do I honestly go through in like two weeks? It's not a pack of 32, that's for damn sure. If you have that two-week intubation, incubation period and then say you're sick for a week, okay, three weeks, how many rolls of toilet paper do you go through in three weeks? for a respiratory infection. Again, that comes back to using your head, do things responsibly and logically, not based off of panic, which again, I blame the media for because 
you, one person panics, the media catches it, they post it online, and all of a sudden it's the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah, I can't figure out this toilet paper thing. I, it's the most bizarre thing. I've, I don't understand it. I mean, what's the worst case scenario? Uh, someone posted a meme that was like, uh, what was that movie? The, the where Demolition the, Man. Demolition Man. <laughs> yeah, where it says, figure out how to use the shells. Uh, Ed, I, I, your, your phone was like making a lot of background noise. So I muted you. Um, uh, what, what branch were you in? Are you talking to me? Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Um, sorry about the background noise. Yeah. I was in the Navy. Okay. Uh, 12 years, two months, 19 days. Oh, wait, do you know what? I think I know you. Are you the guy that, uh, was doing Pokemon when I, I ran into you? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you were the guy that said, good luck with that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Hey, hey man, what's wrong with playing Pokemon? Hey, listen. Yeah, no, there's nothing wrong with it. My six-year-old son plays it. But, hey, Ed, thanks for <laughs> thanks for coming on, man. Uh, we're going to switch over to uh, Doug Capazzi, Capazzi. I don't know. He's, uh, he's a guinea, it looks like. And I can say that. I can say that because although my name is Kevin Sullivan, I am majority Sicilian. A lot of people don't realize that. With my blue eyes and my light skin and my dark hair i am uh a sicilian. I don't know. Yeah, yeah so doug what are you are you, are you a fellow sicilian uh not full i'm a mixture between italian and polish okay mostly italian italian though okay so are you are you insulted by my uh my comment oh definitely not dude. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah man thanks for hanging on you've been on since uh we started uh have you what have you thought about the conversation and i don't know if you're going to bring your own thing to the table here or if you just want to comment on what other people have been saying um I mean, you guys are bringing up a lot of great points. Uh, it, the media is kind of uh, funneling and, and fueling this whole mass hysteria. Um, but I think the, the whole toilet paper thing and whatnot comes from just the fact of the unknown. Um, and if you think about like the flu, the West Nile virus, uh, the Zika virus and all that stuff, it, <clears throat> excuse me, it was a bit of a, you know, a big deal. But also at the same time, it was also kind of known, I guess you can say. So it right. wasn't like something that was out of the blue. Well, this whole coronavirus thing, it was something that just kind of, you know, it was the shock and awe of viruses, if you want to bring it to um, like a, a better perspective of things. So that's where like this whole mass hysteria is coming from. Um, and you know, the best thing that we could do as veterans in the veteran community is definitely keeping the lines of communication open um, to not only just, you know, not only veterans, but to the general public. Because uh, I was rereading your email and it says, like, what can we do for these people who are kind of like, quote unquote, losing their minds? Um, we've obviously <clears throat> been trained in handling uh, certain situations, adapt and overcome. Um, look at the look at other ways of survival and you know I'm, I'm a I don't want to call myself like a prepper but I do have like my 72 hour go bag I do have like three or four tubs in my closet with non-perishables me too man uh, me too you know <laughs> nothing wrong and with it, that there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that especially nowadays everyone's going to the grocery <clears throat> store and I'm like man I got my rice and beans oh yeah, yeah. plenty of that it's at Kevin's house <laughs> <laughs> and it's, he's a better shot than me too <laughs> you know and that's the other thing too it's just making sure that not only are you protected with like food and water and stuff to feed your your family but also protecting yourself in the in the physical aspect um if people do kind of get on the old 
uh, what is it? The whole like rooting and, and rioting um, side of things. Um, myself, I have to take like a little bit more of a proactive approach. I mean, my son was born. Hold on a second. Knock it off, knucklehead. Um, was that your my infant son? My son was born with. No, my dog's just being an idiot. <laughs> <I> know, uh, <laughs> Fucking babies. <laughs> yeah. uh, my son was born with a blood condition. Okay. Um, and he had to have his spleen and gallbladder removed when he was like four. Mm. So when he catches the common cold, it'll last in his system for like three or four weeks. And the kid just cannot get rid of this virus. So here I'm thinking, well, great. You know, what happens if he's 12 and granted he's not at a great risk you know but i have to sit there and kind of not play into the mass hysteria but i have to start playing into the okay keep him away from other people uh keep him quarantined into the house or in the house for a little bit uh don't let all the these other little <clears throat> snot nosed little turds from the neighborhood uh coming over and and breathing on him and stuff but you, you bring up a good point there like as a father the only thing, and and man, my heart goes out to you having a, a, a kid with, um, you know, the immune response issue that, that he has. Because the only thing, like the, the first thing I heard and the first thing I look at is the data. And I see that children under the age of nine, it's like 0% fatality, 0.0% or 0.01. And I'm like, man, that's a huge, I mean, because if it fucks me or if, it, you know, that's fine as long as my kids make it through this. And, and. Yeah, I mean, that's if there's any silver lining on this, it's that. But you also bring up a good point that, you know, like we talked about at the very beginning, the vulnerable populations, you know, what what to what level are you willing to make a sacrifice, whether it's necessary or not, because we don't know. But which which side of caution are you going to err on when we have vulnerable populations that could that could potentially suffer from this? Yeah, and I've thought about that, too. It's like, what would I do if, you know, I had a family reach out? Um, in, aside from doing everything for, uh, irreverent warriors, I also run a nonprofit in Connecticut. Um, and we're very well known in the community for, you know, assisting purple heart recipients and the veteran community as a whole. So I'm sitting here wondering like, okay, what do I do in the event that I have a veteran family reaching out or a few reaching out saying, Hey, look, because of X, Y, and Z, I am unable to, you know, pay for childcare. I'm unable to do this. Now I have the fortunate ability to work from home, you know, maybe three to four days a week. So I'm like, do I open up my home to some of these kids to help out the veteran population? And if I don't, am I a shit bag? You know, and it just, you know, which side of the, you know, where do I err on the side of caution at this point? Sure. Well, yeah. that's difficult too. So <laughs> being, uh, being in the veteran community, we want to help those who are in need. That's kind of what we, that's what Kevin and I were talking about right before we started this whole thing was we, we took an oath to, to help out those who are weak and unable to defend, to fend for themselves, open up our homes and our hearts to those who need help fighting against whether it's social inequality, um, government life, whatever it may be. But at some point, you have to be cautious, especially when it comes to your family, the well-being yeah. of yourself and your children. You got to be careful who you who you let into your life. I mean, we saw that quite a few years ago with Chris Kyle. Chris Kyle was killed by a, by a Marine who he was trying to help. So yeah. you never know who's truly going to be there with good intentions or who really has a messed up fucking head and who's going to put a bullet in the back of your fucking brain. So. That's 
That's why yes. I brought a uh, bulletproof vest when we went shooting the other day, Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> right. The funny thing well, is, I'm not them, joking. <laughs> he's not joking, but but I think but I think he didn't wear the vest because all the rest of the people that were shooting were Air Force or Army. So I'm pretty sure we were okay Easy. with nobody getting hit. <laughs> they were they were they were combat arms. They were combat. Doug, <laughs> Doug, what was your branch? What was your job? Uh, I was Army for eight and a half years. I was a lightweight vehicle mechanic, but then I was. Uh, cross-trained as vehicle recovery and then before the second deployment um i took on the responsibility of a combat lifesaver okay okay wow um let me i'm gonna i'm gonna use a um metaphor here to to kind of show you what as from the medical community standpoint what this looks like so uh last monday i'm at work and in the back of my mind i'm like i'm like you know and and we did our CDC briefings. We do those on on Tuesday. So Monday, remember, it really wasn't a big deal. We weren't really thinking. I mean, I had a birthday party for my son on that Saturday, so it's like, all right, Monday's Monday's Monday. And then Tuesday hits, and it's the equivalent. Imagine you're out in the field somewhere. Imagine you're you're deployed at a, a Ford operating base uh, in Afghanistan, and you look out, and suddenly you see a mushroom cloud, and it's off in the distance. But you're like, I've never seen a mushroom cloud. I've seen them in movies, I've seen pictures of them, and I'm pretty damn sure that's a mushroom cloud right there. Try to think, like, what would even be going on in your head? Like, you don't know what to do. Like, I get, do you duck and cover? Do you get out your, your um, what's that called, the NCBM, whatever, gear? Uh, what do you do? And everyone just kind of looks at each other and be like, do I see a mushroom cloud? Are we getting freaking nuked? What do we do next? I mean, we've been trained, but I, I don't know. My brain doesn't register that that's actually happening. That's what happened Tuesday for most of the medical world, we looked at, at suddenly the CDC dropped uh, a lot of information that was, uh, I mean, I'm supposed to not say anything, but it's it was it was shocking to say the least. And then Wednesday, the World Health Organization um, came out and said that, you know, this is a global pandemic. And then we were all looking at this mushroom cloud going, dude, do you know what to do? <laughs> Should we put on our, what do we do? And And now, you know, the week played itself out. Uh, the weekend came here and now we're just waiting to see what happens tomorrow. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm actually thinking about bringing my sleeping bag, my blow up mattress to the clinic. And then when I get, when I get exposed, which I will, uh, very soon, uh, just hunkering down there, have my family drop food off at the door. I'll come out and get it. And I mean, these are the things that I'm thinking of. So yeah, I don't know. That's all I got to say about that. I don't know. I think it came down to that when the CDC and the who came out, the who, who, the who, um, the WHO came out and basically dropped again, dropped a bomb on us. They didn't slowly give information out, didn't prep people, didn't really. They kind of just said, "Here, boom, yeah, world, yeah. world's gone to shit. Good luck." It's kind of what it felt like. Well, so, well, but also, how about this? Let's go back to that scenario, and uh, you're you're on an outpost, so you can see a lot higher, right? You can see. I mean, you're out of an, uh, a tower, and you can see a lot further. And you're out there now. Let's take away the let's take away the nuke, and you start seeing someone walk uh, mortars in, right? Uh, it doesn't have to be a nuke. Mortar is going to take you out just as quickly, and you're seeing them walking in, and you're like, okay, you know, they're. 500 meters out, they're 300 meters out. You're seeing this, and now you can sound the alarm, uh, have people uh, hunker down, and and whatever it is you army and, and marine guys do, because I'll I'll be flying the away in my C-130. But um, you can actually see it. You can see the damage, and you can prepare for it. Isn't that kind of what we had with Italy? Kind of what we had with with South Korea, Iran, and um, and China. I mean, kind of to a degree, we did. Well, I mean, that's also comes back to 
Ch- uh, China had a lot more information than, than than they were really putting out there, and I think it kind of got away from them. And now here we are. The rest of the world is kind of taking the brunt of it. Yeah. Hey, Doug, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, we're going to start wrapping this up, but I really appreciate your input. Uh, everyone no who's problems. called, everyone who's called today has brought up something that we haven't really thought about. Um, but yeah, man, I appreciate it. Thanks, Doug. All right. Uh, Jeremy, we're going to wrap yes, this sir. thing up. I think this freaking went off really well. I agree. I think this is a freak. We might, we might be onto something here. So, and during this whole thing, I mean, I had my, I've got my, I'm on my laptop and on my phone. Um, and I was, I was getting messages and a couple of people posting on the Facebook, uh, Facebook stuff that we had posted saying they want to be on it. So, dude, um, I, I think we have a new, a new type of episode come out with something new every day. I mean, dude, this is great I, because people want to, I mean, that's the whole point. The whole point is to be involved. The whole point is to get out of isolation and with everyone that called today, I mean, they're basically doing that. I mean, we're using, we're utilizing technology. Let's say the worst case scenario is that we have to isolate, which is what happened. I mean, socially, whatever it is. Um, Social restrictions. Yeah. yeah. And, and what did we do? We, we did this podcast instead of face to face like we normally do. And, and I think it worked out great. And I think the um, irreverent words. I mean, maybe I'm biased because I'm the creator of this wonderful podcast, but I think um, they're going to enjoy it. I do too. So I also think that this also gives a lot of the veterans who don't feel like they're as uh, what's they're including myself for a while didn't feel as cool or (laughs) hip or 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 important or popular gives them a chance to get their voice out there so that's this is definitely a way we can do that get more people on yeah yeah i think um i still when this blows over uh i'm I'm gonna be probably over the next few weeks is warm now i'm gonna i'm gonna be firing up my for the listeners who are who were there last year i have a homemade hot tub in my backyard and uh, it's made out of a giant galvanized um, stock tank, uh, like for livestock. I'm going to be firing that up. And I think the, it, soon we're going to be in our silky shorts and floating in the, in the uh, quote unquote hot tub and doing our next episode from there. I think that's a good, if we, can, if we can put a goal ahead of us, I think that would be a good goal to set. It'd be awesome, man. <laughs> Just kidding. Hey, do you have anything else you want to you wanna bring up, you want to talk about? You want to um, so the only thing that I want to bring up is for those who are afraid to get out and and be a part of these hikes and be a part of this organization, this organization is not just hikes. This organization has now started to branch out. We're doing small get-togethers, small camping trips coming up. We had one last year in Hillsboro, North Carolina. The more you the more we can get out, the better. And I think we should start any events that are starting to come out now in each state, not just ours. Start, you know, posting that not just on the site, but through us as well. Get that out there so people have more of a, oh, we didn't just post it and it got lost among the millions of other posts on Facebook. We got a voice out there saying, hey, go be a part of this event. Come join us instead of, I'm not too sure if I can really get out there. But the only thing I can say is I hope we can get more people out. Yeah. Hey, that other day when we were over at Revival, um, Revival 1869 in the heart of uh, Clayton, North Carolina, it was me, you, Hamity, Hacker, Paul. Um, there was a bunch of us there. Uh, how good did you feel like after that? Like, wasn't that just a great hangout? Everyone's busting each other's balls. We're drinking some some you know, good whiskey. It was a good freaking time. Nice. Yeah. And it there was, was like so, a, a half a dozen of us. And it's just, you know, we do that once a month, man. It makes such a difference to your, your just mental health and how, just how good you feel. It 100% beats just sitting at home, 
twiddling my thumbs or playing Xbox. Granted, I love playing Xbox, but the point being, it was nice to get out of the house. Yeah. Social interaction, that thing we're trying to do now. Mm-hmm. And so, Hamity, Hamity doesn't even drink, and he comes and hangs out. I mean, that's that's every time. Yeah. So a um, lot of fun, a lot of good stuff. Uh, I don't know. Hang in there, guys. Uh, we This is not an official. We're not, we don't have any official word about what we're doing with the hikes and everything. We're just kind of letting this thing play out. I guess stay tuned for um, uh, Nate and Cindy to find out on that front. Um, I'm hoping, like I said, I'm hoping you guys are busting my balls in the next few weeks saying, dude, you overreacted. Um, but I think in this, I think if there's a time to overreact, this is the time to do it. That's my opinion. And what do I know? I just save lives for a living. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, yeah, thanks for checking uh, or, uh, yeah, checking in guys. And, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully in a few weeks or the next episode that comes out, we'll be back to normal, our little interview shows, and then I'm going to be doing more of these. So if you guys are interested in, in taking part in this, a lot of people say they don't have anything to say, but I mean, when Ed came on, Doug came on, um, who else came on? Hamity, uh, Greg. I mean, all these guys. Yeah. Yeah. They had something to say. Right. And, and you all have something to say. And, you know, whether you think it's your responsibility or not, it kind of is. You're a veteran. You belong to IW. Uh, you signed up, man. You signed up to help each other out. And uh, yeah. Um, so keep your eye out. I'm going to post more of these. And, and I think these shows are going to be fun to do in the future. Wonderful, man. I hope, I hope to hear from more people soon. All right. Take care, guys. Stay Take safe. Care. Stay safe. Wash your hands. No toilet paper. <laughs> Set the place on fire.